Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 8. We're going to read one verse, and that is verse 35. Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. By the way, that's the title of our study today, sitting at Jesus' feet clothed and in his right mind, and they were. Another scripture reference, Isaiah 52 and verse 7, says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Now, we read, first of all, Luke chapter 8 and also Isaiah 52. Those are the feet that no doubt were fondly caressed by a mother. You remember, we just came through Christmas time, an adoring mother when the child was in the manger and also when she was holding that baby probably perhaps nursing him and taking care of him. It was the same feet that pity-pattered around the house or the shop of the carpenter. You know, we don't think about that when we think about Jesus. But remember, he experienced everything that we did. So all of that would also go along with it. That's interesting, but true. And, of course, as a youngster, uh, he was supposed to follow the family from the temple. Remember that? That was a little scary uh, for them because he stayed behind with the leaders. And they were amazed by him at his young young age and all uh, the knowledge that he had. And they were puzzled, couldn't understand it. And I imagine, I don't know how far away the family was when all of a sudden, and I'm sure it had to be Mama that said, wait a minute, where's my boy? I don't don't hear him. I, I don't see him. Where is he? And they turned around and they found him standing on his feet, preaching and teaching men that were many, many years older than he was. That was Jesus. Then we read in Luke chapter 8, it was a man who had gone through a horrible lifetime, but Jesus took care of him, and the first thing that he wanted to do was sit at the feet of Jesus and learn more about him and about himself. Those feet, speaking of Jesus' feet, stepped into Jordan at baptism stood on the mountain more than one time and preached to a multitude of people, walked a thousand miles helping people and healing people. That was Jesus. Uh, These feet also were probably involved in kicking over the tables of those who made his house a house of mockery. You remember that incident also. Those feet shook off dust from places 
that rejected him, but moved on to another place. They walked on water just as they walked on dusty streets and just as easily. That's amazing also. And to walk beside them for a privileged few moments in life must have been like walking on air. I'm thinking of the disciples. Just imagine. And you realize that one day we're going to be able to walk with him. We're going to be able to sit at his feet. And we're going to hear some marvelous things, I imagine. Marvelous stories. We might even be able to ask some questions, but don't know that that'll even matter then when we're with him for eternity. Right now we have a lot of questions, but we'll see. Those feet, speaking of the feet of Jesus, didn't run when his accusers approached him. He stood firm. Fact of the matter is, even just speaking words made them fall backwards off of their feet. And they still didn't get who he was and his power and his love. But rather, they walked up the hill to Golgotha, and they were nailed to a cross. That was the feet of Jesus. And in so being, those bruised heels stomped on the head of the serpent, as was prophesied many, many, many hundreds, if not thousands of years before uh, in Genesis. And what a crashing victory that was. He didn't stay on the cross, we know that, but he paid the price that we could never pay. They descended below the earth, the Bible tells us, and they led captivity captive. And those are the same feet that came out of the tomb and walked in the road to Emmaus with some disciples that didn't recognize him at first. And he showed all of his followers that he can still walk. And then he departed and went back to heaven. They left this ground and they ascended. And he's going to come back much the same way. And we're going to meet him in the air. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to that more and more each day. Amen? That'll be great. And then once again... His feet are going to touch this earth. And this time it won't be to be ridiculed or to be put to death. He's coming back to set up his kingdom. That's what he tells us. And that will be so. What a privilege it is that we today and every day of our lives can sit at the feet of Jesus. We can do that. Um, And what do you find at the feet of Jesus? Well, you can read through the Bible and you can read about other people who sat there. And I'm sure they found the same things that we can find when we sit at the feet of Jesus today. In the year now, 2020. Boy, that's going to be hard to get used to here in January, isn't it? But here we are another year. So... What do we find when we sit at the feet of Jesus? Let's look at a couple of things. First of all, 
I believe that we find a place of pardon. A place of pardon. Luke chapter 7 and verse 38, it says this. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. One that we find in this story, and most of you are familiar with it, we find it in, in humility, and it took a lot of humility for this woman to do that, but in humility, this woman, and we know uh, her background, she was void of chastity, uh, found forgiveness from her sins. We're talking about a woman who was a harlot and came to Jesus to be pardoned. And she knelt at the feet of Jesus, we're told. The Lord allowed this woman who had made a living from impure contact with other human beings, especially men, to touch him. And he allows you and I to do the same thing, if not literally. There's many times that uh, maybe, uh, like I said, not literally, but it's almost like I feel the hand of God and Jesus touching me. You know some of those moments. You've probably experienced them too. And his virtue became her own as her faith and repentance were expressed there at his feet. Pardon. That's what you find at the feet of Jesus. Another thing that you find, and we already read about some of that, a place of healing. Not only a place of pardon, but a place of healing. I think of Matthew 15 and verse 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And what did he do? He healed them. He healed them. Outcast, rejects of society, people who were spent, who spent all the money that they had on doctors and couldn't find any help. He healed them. Do you realize worldly wounds are healed too? Callous souls are softened. I've seen that happen. I, I remember, I didn't know Bill Zimmers before he was saved. But have I heard stories from people about Bill Zimmers before he was saved? And I saw God take a calloused heart and turn it into a heart of love for people. And he served the Lord until the day he died. It wouldn't surprise me one bit that if he could still speak when he was in the hospital, that one of his, the last thing he did was his breath was probably tell somebody else they needed Jesus. Jesus can change a callous heart. We find a place of learning, a place of learning, our third point. I think of Luke ten thirty nine, And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary was busy. We know the story. She was busy serving in the kitchen. But little sis, 
What did she choose to do? And I don't think it was because she didn't want to help or didn't want to do the dishes. But her priority was a better path, taking time to just sit and rest and learn the timeless truths from the Master, from the Messiah. That was her choice, a place of learning. Number four, a place of prayer. A place of prayer defeated Jesus. Do you realize we can go boldly before the throne of God because of what he did for us? We don't need an intermediate. We don't need a priest to go for us like they did in the Old Testament. We can go boldly before the throne of grace and talk to him one-on-one. Mark 5, 22 and 23 And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Oh, place of prayer. How many times have we gone before the Lord for ourselves or for others. (laughs) Carolyn, Bill, Amy, many others that we could name at the feet of Jesus, praying out to him, sometimes crying out to him for help. And here those three and more sit here today. And I like to think because we were at the feet of Jesus for them, a place of prayer. You know, and that's the proper place for prayer. Now, sometimes we can't kneel, but that is the most likely thing to do when you're able is to bow before him. Now, if you're like my buddy, Stu Steiner, he's uh, in a nursing home now. He can't kneel anymore, but he can still cry out to God. You know, when they put them artificial knees in, it's a little rough to kneel on them, and you can't. But still, with reverence, we bow before him. Amen? no matter what the condition is of our knees, and that's precious. And it's true, we can come boldly before his throne and talk to him. And really, in a sense, we meet him eye to eye. Nobody in between us, amen? Number five, a place of thanksgiving. A place of thanksgiving at the feet of Jesus. Luke 17, 16 says, And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. That's not there by accident either. The Jews, by the way, that's what Jesus was. He came from the lineage of David. He was a Jew. Samaritans hated Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. But here you have one that's thankful for what Jesus did for him. That's amazing too, isn't it? And you find out, really, in this incident, I believe it's talking about the ten lepers that were healed. And only one out of the ten having been cleansed, showed that he was thankful for it. Were the other nine thankful? Well, I'm sure they were, but 
uh, it almost comes across like they didn't show much gratitude. Was it the surprise of the miraculous moment? I would imagine they were surprised and were excited about it. Was it taken for granted? Did the other nine run off to show family or friends or to do the things they always wanted to do with their new physical freedom? Well, we don't know. We don't know for sure. All we know is that one recognized the highest priority to go back to the feet of Jesus and thank him for what he's done. Sometimes we forget to thank God for what he's done and we take it for granted and we're so excited about what he did that we go off and we forget to pause first and thank him. Thank him for what he's done. That's so important. I don't know for sure I wasn't there when Carolyn got her news. But I know in Carolyn, if she wasn't singing these words, she was shouting them, even if she was by herself. Thank you, Jesus. Am I pretty close? Pretty close. There you go. Doctor got to hear it too. Amen. Amen. The highest priority of life is owed to the one who gave you the life in the first place. Place of thanksgiving. Number six, a place of rest. A place of rest. Luke eight thirty five. Then they went out to see what was done. We read this one. And came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You say, well, why were they afraid? Well, they dealt with this nut for years. He ran around half naked. They tried to chain him, and he broke the chains. I don't know if that's why they were afraid, but... uh, Seems kind of strange, you know, after they see that everything is okay now and that they were afraid. But Jesus sure gave that man rest, didn't he? Demons had afflicted his mind. He had no rest. And now in his right mind, at rest, and naturally wanting to continue to find rest at the feet of Jesus. That's where you find rest. Some of you today might be going through some hard times and you do need some rest. You'll find them at the feet of Jesus. You'll find them at the feet of Jesus. Number seven. In fact, we're kind of doing that right now, a place of worship. At his feet, you find a place of worship. I'm thinking he's looking down from his throne right now on this congregation. And I hope he's pleased in how he sees we're worshiping him today. We worshiped him earlier in song. We worshiped him early in thanksgiving and praise. We worshiped him earlier in prayer. We worshiped him earlier in giving of offering to missionaries. 
a place of worship at the feet of Jesus. Revelation 1.17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Again, it's an amazing thing to me. We can even enter into his presence any time, day or night. No busy signal. No punch one or punch two or punch three or we'll call you back. We're in his presence right away. He hears us. It said in that verse that we read, he fell at his feet as dead. And I believe that's talking about John who wrote the book of Revelation. As dead, that, that equals motionless. We live life too fast today. We just do. We just live life too fast. And sometimes we just need to sit and be still and know that he is God and worship him. That's what we need to do. Just too fast. The world's too fast. We all want his power on our lives. And this verse says, he laid his right hand upon me. You know what Jesus does? He's done this for me, and I'm sure he's done it for you. He takes away our fears. And he puts it all into perspective. He's the first and the last. He said that to John. He says that to us. It's all about him. And maybe that's the way we need to concentrate sometimes. It's all about him, not about us. It's all about him. And we would do well to kneel or sit at his precious feet and just take time to be still and to realize it's all about him, not about us. Matthew 28, 9, this is, talks about the post-resurrection. As, and as they went to tell his disciples... Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Do you know what another thing that's ironic when you think about feet? Think about Jesus' feet, but you think about our feet, too. Our feet ought to be doing something, too. And we'll get to that in a minute or two. Ironically, Jesus... Wash the feet of his disciples. Remember that? And there is a sense in which um, Jesus washes our feet. You say, well, how's that? Well, he gives us the privilege of having those beautiful feet that preach the gospel. You could say you and I are a sermon in shoes. Really? Sermon in shoes. That's the way it should be. Where would Jesus go? That's a question that we ought to ask ourselves when we think about where we should go. Proverbs 4.26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Proverbs 1.15. My son, walk thou 
Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Now we're thinking about our feet. Hebrews 12, 13. And make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto what? Unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Psalms 119.59 I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Testimonies, that's just another word that really is pointing us to what? God's word. God's word. Proverbs 3.23 Then shall thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. How can we prevent that? And how can we be sure of that? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Being involved with not only praying to him, boldly going before the throne of grace, but in this book. And listen to what he has to say to us. That's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Many of us, And we might have asked this question before, but from time to time, we need to ask Jesus this question again as we sit at his feet. Where would you have me to go, Lord? What would you have me to do? Who can I help today? And maybe get them directed to sit at your feet and learn just as you teach me. And then ask him to give you feet to follow him anywhere. Sometimes I think the altars are not as full as they used to be, and not that the altar is the place you have to do this, but sometimes we need to get to an altar and ask God to cleanse us And make us fit for his use. We need to remember that too. At the feet of Jesus. We need to remember to. Have him not let other things get in the way. That that keeps our feet from coming together like this. When the doors are open at a local church. To worship him. We need to remember all of those things. We need to remember as we walk through this life that really the only thing that counts is serving and pleasing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to remember almost daily we need to be sitting at his feet and listening to him as he teaches us what we need to do and how we need to serve him. Amen? Let's pray.